Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora inside of the Cafe Kubal Studios. Proud to be here with you on YouTube.com, Facebook.com, and MixLR.com, all backslash Wake Up Call DT. Inside of these Cafe Kubal Studios, you're also on Wake Up Call DT.com and on Facebook.com backslash Live Now DT. Our Commissioner Central Series continues today with the MAC Conference. You all know about that MACTION, the Mid American Conference, and their commissioner here with us, Dr. John Steinbracker, and very happy to have John on the show today. John, how you doing? Great to be with you. And John, uh, first and foremost here, I know your history has uh, seen you in your journey uh, be in different parts of the world of collegiate athletics, uh, different conferences, and able to lead those conferences, the Ohio Valley Conference, as well as the Mid-Continent Conference, which is now the Summit League, and of course, the uh, the MAC, just what you can say about you know being a commissioner of three different conferences, just what that has done for your history and, and your knowledge and wisdom of the collegiate world as well. Well, I suppose it could be argued I can't hold a job if I keep moving conferences, right? <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's hope not. No, what what is it's afforded me the opportunity to really be across all three subdivisions of Division One, and so I I think I have a pretty good sense of. Uh, various issues and and how or the lens that different conferences may look at them, whether it's the uh, a conference that doesn't have football, an FCS conference, and now an FBS conference, and there are some differences, and just in terms of of, of uh, relative pieces of importance, uh, where where the pressure points are, and so on. And in many cases, the the challenges or problems are the same. It's just the solutions may be a little different. There may be a few more zeros attached to uh, the revenues you generate and so on. Uh, but I, I guess I just have a, a pretty broad base of experience across all of Division One. And when you look at that, when you look at FBS, FCS, and then Division One schools that don't have football, what have you taken away from the different models that you've worked with? Well, at, at the root of it all, uh, is a commitment to the student-athlete and the student-athlete experience. And that's an experience that's well beyond what they do on the field. It has to do with providing the absolute best we can provide in terms of academic support, social support, nutrition, health care, just an array of services. That it's, it's, it's never been a better time to be a student-athlete than it is now. It is just the the opportunities, uh, the support services, all those combined to make it, being a student-athlete is a pretty neat thing. Yeah, you know, and, and looking at the world of, of student-athlete, I mean, this is this is a world that has consistently evolved, and we're in a place right now where, you know, name, image, and likeness, a.k.a. NIL, as well as the transfer portal, has, has opened up the definition of student-athlete, changed it, expanded it how do you view it is it is it changing what a student athlete is is it expanding on the definition of student athlete how do you look at it i think it's evolving okay and it's it's evolving as a result of what we're seeing at the upper ends particularly the fbs level just in terms of the uh revenue generation that is there and at, at some point it starts to look impolite when you have Again, this is a, a small minority of the coaches, but it's the most heavily publicized segment of the coaches. Yes, segment of coaches who are making an awful lot of money. 
and and so we've devalued the the value of a, of a of an education, which is regretful. Uh, getting a scholarship, having the ability to complete an education, is incredibly valued, is valuable to someone. Yet over the past 10, 15 plus years, we've decided we don't see the value quite as much in that anymore. And so that's that's okay. And so it's evolved, and this this whole concept of amateurism has evolved and that's not nothing new that's been evolving since the 1920s quite frankly and and so we continue to to model it remodel it change it alter it and so with with name image and likeness what a wonderful opportunity for student athletes who have the interest and the time uh to want to in essence market themselves and be able to take advantage of some opportunities where the challenge comes into it for me is when it evolves not to uh, NIL, where it simply evolves into pay for play. And I'm fearful that some of these collectives we read about are in essence being used as a way to uh, simply to entice recruits uh, and what I would call pay for play schemes. That doesn't match very well with our model, but we're in an unregulated space. We'll see how that continues to evolve. Uh, you know, and speaking here with Dr. John Steinbrecher, the commissioner of the MAC, and like you said, looking at how things evolve and, and where we go from here, and, and collective is a word that's been brought up when we're looking at NIL and whatnot. Uh, you know, the, the transfer portal allowing a one-time transfer where you can go to any school, with, in most cases within your conference without having to sit out a year, except for the SOCON and the Big South, and outside of that, you know, you can essentially go anywhere, not have to sit out. It's free agency. NIL being a recruiting tool, which it wasn't supposed to be, but knowing that we live in a world where that is existent, if you're in the transfer portal, that can come up of, of you know, NIL. And I've spoken with coaches at different divisional levels that have told me flat out, hey, you know, the second question I get when a recruit comes on campus to visit is what does the NIL situation look like? What do you think about name, image, and likeness being used as a recruit recruiting tool, as well as uh, something to essentially uh, jockey somebody away from somewhere else? And then we start getting into the world of what's going on as far as tampering and whatnot. Well, I think it's it's, it's logical that student athletes would would ask about. You know what kind of what kind of opportunities have your student athletes had? Well, we're one year we're basically one year into it, so we don't have a big track record. And certainly, there are a handful of kids who have been successful uh, in in putting together programs that make sense for them. The vast majority of kids who are engaged in uh, name, image, and likeness opportunities these are really modest opportunities. Now, the media gets fixated on the the handful of ones that are, you know, seemingly just huge, huge dollar figures. Those are the exceptions and not the rules. Um, but again, you look at, we've got NIL, we're one year into it. The one-time transfer rule, or unified one-time transfer year, we're one year into it. So there's going to be chaos in the system. Well, it's going to take us a year or two or three years for those waters to calm down a little bit for the student-athletes for the coaches and institutions to become more sophisticated. What we're seeing in the data around transfers, the vast majority of kids, when they transfer, 
if they are able to transfer, they transfer laterally or they transfer down. It's only a very small percentage of student athletes that in fact transfer up if there is such a thing as that. And so, again, I think the kids will get more sophisticated. I think there's a lot of kids who have jumped into the transfer portal right now. They're not playing where they're at. You know, let's take a flyer and see if we can go somewhere. Uh, They may find out that they don't have a place to land. And again, people will pay attention. Other student athletes will pay attention. And again, they'll be smarter about it. They find out that the grass isn't greener somewhere else. And so maybe they should stay put. But at the end of the day, what is a positive, student athletes should have some level of freedom in where they go. They shouldn't find themselves forced to stay somewhere they don't want to be. And the unified one-time transfer rule provides that opportunity. We just need to learn how to, how to deal with that change and we'll adapt. That coming from Matt Commissioner Dr. John Steinbrecher here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora inside of the Cafe Kubal Studios, looking at this world of of evolution of everything when it comes to NIL and the transfer portal. We also look at the future of collegiate athletics as a whole, the future of the NCAA, the transformation committee, uh, rewriting a constitution and figuring out exactly what the divisions are going to be, what it's going to look like, what the overall encompassing rule is going to be. How do you look at that, that in a world where the student athlete, as you call it, is evolving, we are also looking at an evolution of the NCAA and a rewriting of essentially what these laws are, what the NCAA is as a body, and how we transform into the current age of collegiate athletics. How do you see that in the bigger picture, that the NCAA is going through a remodeling of itself as well? Well, they absolutely are, and that's that's a, a process of the fact that the NCAA, and when I say the NCAA, that means all the member institutions, all the conferences. I'm not just pointing my fingers at some folks in Indianapolis. You know, we tried to change by evolution, which is very slow, and we've changed too slowly. So now as a result of political pressure, of judicial rulings, we're going to change by revolution. It's going to be quicker. And the focus to a, to a large extent is going to be in, in mitigating risk uh, and finding a way in which we can deregulate to some extent. We, The NCA, our membership association, we do a really good job of making rules. We don't do a very good job of getting rid of rules. Well, that's what we're going to be focused on right now. What rules do we have to have on a national basis to conduct national championships? And then what rules can we can we manage at either the conference or institutional level? And so that's going to be unsettling and it's going to be uncomfortable. And it's that is going to be a work in progress over the next couple of years. Uh, but let's so be it. Let's embrace it. Let's figure out a way to make this thing work. Uh, we're one of the challenges when I talk about deregulating, when you every rule that's in that NCA rule book is there for a reason. It's because there probably was a problem associated with whatever area it covers. And so in name, image, and likeness, we currently really don't have many rules that govern it. So what happens is we there's a race to the bottom. Let's figure out a way to take advantage of every loophole or every way we can to, to do it. Well, as we deregulate rules, we may find ourselves with other issues similar to that. I hope I hope that's not the case, but, you know, we'll figure it out. And so 
the, the focal point will become much more on conferences from um, an oversight of, of rules, I believe. And so conferences will have to have some, some discussions and come to some agreement on how they want to manage uh, an array of issues. Because it's believed that if we manage rules on a conference basis, uh, might be a little, afforded a little more antitrust protection than we currently have when we try to do it on a national basis. But at the baseline, we have to define what is it to be a student athlete? Are they, uh, a, let's, let's go to the, the, what we would think the student athlete model, the amateur, they're not paid, they get a scholarship. At the other extreme is the employee model, right? They're, they're paid, maybe they go to classes, maybe they don't. Where do we end up on that? It's probably gonna be somewhere in between is gonna be my guess, but that's gonna be a fundamental question we have to answer. And from that, so many other issues will, will evolve from. And it also may dictate what schools say, you know what, we agree with that model, we wanna continue. Or there may be other schools that say, you know what, that's not what we wanna be. We'd rather go back to a need-based aid model or something uh, a little less aggressive than what you're talking about. And so those are the questions that will help us determine what we look like, oh, in 24 or 36 months. Yeah, you know, and, and like you said, looking at in the deregulation and whatnot, if, if the NCAA is essentially the national government as, as a parallel and then looking at each conference as state governments, do you like that more that the Mid-American, the MAC can, can sit and say, hey, you know what, the SEC chose to do this. The Pac-12 is doing that. The Big South is doing that. But the MAC, we're going to do it this way. Do you like that, or does that cause more confusion? Oh, um, well, I I will say this: it's challenging to conduct national championships without national rules. Yeah. And so, how do we select those rules that we need to do nationally? I'm not afraid of the conversation of the Mid American Conference of us digging in and say, okay, what are our priorities? How do we want to manage certain things? We've been doing that for some time. In fact, when I came on board over a decade ago, put us through a strategic planning process, and we did a prioritization of an array of things, and it helped guide us in terms of how we allocated resources, where our focus went. And I think that's what what it will cause us all to do nationally. But we do need some similarities in terms of you know how many how many student athletes are on a team and things like that and and i think we'll get to that place but you hit on exactly the right thing it's again conferences are going to have to dig in and figure out what what's what makes sense for them and they need to do it in a way that they're not having that conversation with another conference you can't collude with somebody on that you have to make those decisions independently and as we see it, like you said, you've worked with FBS, FCS, and you've worked with Division One schools as a commissioner that don't, you know, dealing with schools that don't have football. So when you have gone through all of this and seen the many angles of it, you know that the world that we live in today, if you look at FBS, FCS, and Division One in general, just looking at at division one for football, the FBS has started to divide itself, right? There's a quote unquote power five. There's a quote unquote group of five within the power five. The SEC is going to 16 with Oklahoma and Texas. Then within the power five, we see in this autonomy group, 
that there is a joint alliance within the group of five, within the Power Five. There's another alliance of three between the Big Ten, the Pac-12, and the ACC. So with within just the FBS, we're seeing the SEC stand on its own. We're seeing an alliance. We're seeing the Power Five. We're seeing the group of five. How do you begin to understand this, knowing that just the FBS alone has created its own factions at this point? Uh, some of it's natural evolution. So you've got to get back to, okay, what, where, what's our foundational relationship? If you're playing FBS football, your foundational relationship is we all want to be a part of that college football playoff. Yeah. We're all, all 10 signatories of that college football playoff. We all have that in common. And that is a, that is a monster relationship. I can't, I, I can't underestimate how important or overestimate how important that is to all of us. And so it starts from there. And so, yeah, there are differences of opinion. And this group might want to do one thing one way and another thing another way. At the end of the day, we all come together in and around football and the postseason of football and to me that's a big positive when you look at the future of this uh, we saw an expansion conversation come about and it was sent out to us in the media the different pieces that it had to go through the different steps that needed to be taken in order to look at expanding the college football playoff from four teams we heard about 12 then oklahoma and texas made their announcement of leaving the big 12 for the sec and everything got quiet where do you think we are on college football playoff expansion and how bad do we need it in your opinion well i i think to the eye of the beholder, I think expanding it would be positive for college football. We could do it in a way that uh, actually brings more value to the regular season, which I didn't think was something that could be done. But after we went through this past year and spent so much time studying uh, one or more of the proposals, there is a way to do it that brings greater value to the regular season, keeps more teams engaged in the hunt. To be in the playoffs to later in the season brings more value to our TV, brings more value to our championship games. I think there's pretty strong consensus around wanting to expand. Now, there are a few differences of opinion exactly on what that means. Is it eight teams? Is it 10 teams? Is it 12 teams? Is it 16 teams? Whatever that may be. Uh, we're going to, you know, next year or two, we'll get that figured out. I, I really think we'll get there. Uh, and I think it'll be wonderful. I, I, you know, the more the more teams that have a chance to play in it, the more teams we have that are going into late October or early November that are still relevant. Just think what that does and assists you in terms of ticket sales, in terms of TV rates, in terms of all of those things. Those are positives. Uh, and for football, college football, at least at the FBS level, has the lowest participation of student athletes in a national championship event across any of the sports. We have 3% to play in it right now. The norm is somewhere between 18 and 25%. So uh, I really I really think we'll get there, uh, but it's not likely to occur until this existing contract expires. And we've got four more years on, I believe it's four more years, four or five. I apologize for not knowing off the top of my head how many years are left there, but um, we'll get there and it will continue to be a great, great event. 
That coming here from Matt Commissioner Dr. John Steinbrecher on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora inside of the Cafe Kubal Studios. John, what is the max conversation when it comes to the college football playoff? What is the the max spotlight, the max selling points? If you were sitting at a table right now and the college football playoff was looking at expanding and and having the winners of each of these 10 conference championships have an opportunity to play in the college football playoff, what would you say on behalf of the MAC? I mean, I know I know a bunch of the coaches within the MAC. There's a lot of good here. I know that you're willing to play on any given day. We get to see MACTION throughout the week, and it's there's a lot to be said about this conference itself from those that take the time and are you know informed enough to pay attention to it. What would you say to the college football playoff committee about the MAC and why the MAC should have an opportunity to fight for a championship? You know, when you you sit back and think about it, FBS football is such a small number of schools participating at that level. Out of the thousand and some schools across all of of the NCAA, across all divisions, there's about 135 that play FBS football. College football is healthier when all of the participants, particularly all the participants at the FBS level, are robust and healthy. And having a chance to participate in that event uh, will only enhance all of the conferences and, more importantly, all of those member institutions. Uh, Just think of the excitement it will bring. Think of it as our coaches are out there recruiting and talking about, no, it's not just a possible chance to be there. If we we do this or this, it's, hey, if we win our league, we know we're going to be one of X teams in that event. We've seen what's occurred in college basketball and uh, how robust that sport is and how vibrant that sport is. It's why the month of March is really one of the great sports months of the year. Well, we can have a similar sort of thing with college football. And when you look at your your full-time members and we look at football and, and beyond, Ohio, Bowling Green, Miami of Ohio, Akron, Buffalo, Kent State, Toledo, Northern Illinois, Western Michigan, Eastern Michigan, Central Michigan, and Ball State, how would you define the MAC? When I say those names and those schools and the tradition of each of those schools that have comprised your conference and created in a world of realignment, you know, some some consistency, how would you describe the MAC when you look at these full-time institutions that have given so much to making the MAC what it is today? It's the seventh oldest conference in the country. It is among the most stable. Uh, we haven't had changes in, gosh, I think well over 20 years. We know who we are. And one of the things I talk about uh, with regularity with our membership and with others is we need to continue to understand who we are and let's be the map. I'm not trying to be the Big Ten or the SEC or the Mountain West or anything else. Let's know what our strengths and weaknesses are. Let's play to those strengths. And as it turns out, our top teams in whatever sport it is are competitive nationally. So if we can continue to do that, let's be the MAC. We're going to be just fine. And we look at the the MAC as well, the affiliate members of this conference, so many across a bunch of different sports, Appalachian State for field hockey, Bellarmine for field hockey, Binghamton for men's tennis, uh, Bloomsburg for wrestling, Clarion for wrestling, Cleveland State, for wrestling, uh, Detroit, Mercy for women's lacrosse, Edinburgh for wrestling, 
uh, Evansville for men's swimming and diving, George Mason for wrestling, Georgia State for men's soccer, Georgia Southern as well for men's soccer, Lock Haven for wrestling, Longwood for field hockey, Missouri State for men's swimming and diving, Ryder for wrestling, Robert Morris for women's lacrosse, SIU Edwardsville for wrestling, Southern Illinois for men's swimming and diving, Valparaiso for men's swimming and diving, West Virginia for men's soccer, Youngstown State for women's lacrosse. The affiliation, I mean, we look at, like you said, the seventh oldest conference, you haven't had changes in two decades, and then you look at all of these affiliations that are able to build and expand the name. How would you define affiliate members, and why are you willing to work with so many across the country? Generally speaking, you add affiliate members when you have gaps or holes in sports sponsorship, and you need to you need to find additional members so you can continue to sponsor the sports. The sport we have the most affiliate members in is wrestling, and we have a whole bunch. But there's purpose behind that. We had a chance, this is four or five years ago, we needed to pick up one or two affiliate members. And as we were looking at folks, we were zeroing on the conference, East Coast-based conference in wrestling, largely a bunch of schools in Pennsylvania and a few other spots. And we clearly could have cherry-picked that conference. That would have been healthy for us and good for us. It would not have been positive for that conference. And it was a standalone wrestling conference. And it would not have been healthy for the sport of wrestling. So we made the decision, let's invite that whole conference in to join us. And that's been very, very positive. Uh, other places, again, it's plugging in the hole. And let's make sure we're there's a reason behind it. That we have good alignment. We have similar values. And again, it's worked really, really well. In the sport of men's soccer, for instance, we had seven member institutions, including affiliates, that played the sport last year. Five of our seven teams went to the NCAA championship. One, one into the second round, another into the to the Elite Eight. I mean, it's, it's a way for us to bolster the league, continue sponsoring those sports, um, and just have great, great conference competition. For you to, to oversee them all, like you said, you know, when you have affiliate members, you're affiliate, filling in the gaps of different sports that you need to stay sponsored and stay there and whatnot. How do you balance that when you have your full-time members that you take care of and you sit down and you meet with? How do you make sure as a commissioner that you're balancing and giving attention and also welcoming in these schools that are there for that one sport that they're affiliated with? How do you balance the affiliated members to the full-time? Well, you do it on a sport-by-sport basis. And our philosophy is if they're a member in that sport, they're as important in that sport as every other member. So we try not to differentiate uh, like yeah, among full members and affiliate members. In our wrestling, for instance, affiliate members can host our championship. There are a number of leagues. If you're not a full member, you're not hosting the championship. If you're a member, you're a member. Uh, coming here from Dr. John Steinbrecher here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, Matt Commissioner. Uh, John, before I let you go here inside of the Cafe Kubal Studios, uh, to take a look at mental health, I know that's something that you've worked on. It's been uh, very important with you. A first conference-wide mental health program, which included the development of minimum standards and best practices and a biannual summit on mental health. Just what you can say about the place that mental health has awareness-wise in our world today Because growing up as a kid, I could tell you that uh, more often than not, people would tell me, figure it out, as opposed to actually having a place to go or even a conversation about mental health. So how important is it and why did you want to make sure 
that you were starting the trend as opposed to responding to the trend when it came to taking care of mental health? Mental health issues are a public health crisis, plain and simple. It's not a student athlete. It's not a student issue. It's an everybody issue. And we actually got this from our students who about a decade ago now came to us and said, hey, we, we'd like to see us focus on that. And, and away we went. It's funny, coming out of this year's spring meetings, uh, we had we dug in on it again. And our student athletes, again, asked us, you know, continue to focus on this. Please put as many resources into this as are possible. Uh, in some ways, student athletes are, are, are fortunate. They have a they have a group that they belong to. They have people providing some oversight. But even with that, they oftentimes feel isolated because they may be competing against teammates or they don't want to share what their weaknesses are. We've spent a lot of time and need to continue to do it on an education part of for a student athlete to perform at their best. They have to be at their peak level physically. They have to be at their peak level uh, mentally, and they have to be at their peak level from a, a spiritual or inner, inner person perspective. And so we need all of those things working together. Our student athletes came up with a phrase that it's okay to not be okay. And so, again, let's reiterate that. Let's treat a mental health issue, whether it's an eating disorder, anxiety, depression, thoughts of suicide, what, whatever it may be, let's treat those much in the way we would a, a banged up elbow or knee or shoulder and not be afraid to seek advice and treatment and take care of it so that you can get back to being the best you can be. And what has it taught you, John, as, as you look and, and get deeper into the world of the student-athlete? I know that obviously you competed as well growing up and whatnot. So when you look at student-athletes today and everything that they're going through, how has it made you a better person by overseeing a conference and working with so many different people from so many different backgrounds, from different parts, uh, you know, different states and, and maybe a similar part of the country, but you know, for the most part, you know, dealing in the Midwest and then obviously in the state of New York and whatnot. But how have you evolved yourself from seeing what a student athlete goes through today? Well, uh, certainly we have some shared experiences. But having said that, I think the pressures on student athletes are probably more today than they ever been, simply because of, of the exposure levels and social media, all these other things. And, and so there's so many eyes on them. There's so many people commenting, so many people commenting uh, anonymously. Uh, and so all those kind of add up. Uh, the flip side is I've also learned or evolved. Our greatest resource for ideas are our student athletes. We've, we've really come to embrace them. We've made them part of our governance system. We ask them on issues on a pretty regular basis. What do you think about this? How, where would we go with that? That's, you know, it's how we got pursuing mental health. That's how we led the way on uh, issues around time demands or like the hours student athletes put into uh, sports on a weekly and monthly basis. All those types of things have come from the student athletes. And so we just need to continue to have dialogue and listen um, and embrace these young men and women who we hope are having transformative educational experiences that will last with them for an entire lifetime.
And John, quickly here before I let you go, I mentioned the fact that, you know, we you call it Maction. And I've talked with people throughout the country, lovers of different sports and, and whatnot, just people that are sports fans in general. And when you say the Mac, they say, I got to get some Maction. They like their Tuesday games, they like their Wednesday games, they like that they can see the Mac uh, throughout the week, that they don't have to wait until the weekend when it comes to football and whatnot. What can you say about, I know you've you've worked with CBS Sports Network. I know you've obviously worked with ESPN as well, making sure that your games are going to be out there and then, you know, expand it out from that to make sure Olympic sports and men's and women's basketball will be as well. But to know that this conference is willing to play on days that other conferences may not want to and to really be a part of our entire week, what has that done for selling the message? And how would you describe Maxion? coming from the commissioner yourself. Maction's fast-paced, exciting, vibrant uh, sports activity. And, and also we use it, another way we use it is in terms of taking Maction. And when we use it in that context, it's about being socially aware and civically engaged. Uh, so we use it in a bunch of different ways. Um, you know what? I can't think of another conference that has a, a single word catchphrase that really everybody knows what it is. They click on it very quickly. We've been so stable, they probably can name most of the schools. Uh, so it's special, and we're, we're protective of it. Uh, and it's helped take what was a really nice regional conference and helped make us a national brand. It's a great way to put it, that coming from Dr. John Steinbrecher. John, you spent a good amount of time with us here today describing a lot of uh, different pieces of not only the MAC, but also the future of collegiate athletics. And you just said it, you know, you, you have not expanded on the conference having more than 12, and you haven't lost any of those 12. You've been consistent. People know who you are. And I think that that is a fleeting thing in today's world. So I want to thank you for your time here in our Commissioner Central Series, and I would love to have you back on soon. And uh, now I get to officially tell you that I've been a big-time fan of the MAC for a while and got some good friends in there, uh, Tim Lester at Western Michigan and Fred Reed, who just passed at Eastern Michigan, to, to name a couple. But I really do appreciate the work that you're doing, and thank you for everything the MAC is bringing to collegiate athletics, and I really do appreciate your time. I'll look forward to being back with you and your listeners again soon.